This is section 102 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Speech. University of Missouri. Commencement. Columbia, June 4, 1902. Read by John Greenman. I have been in Missouri for about a week, and it seems very like it did a long time ago. It has been so pleasant to me, notwithstanding the fact that it has been an intensely emotional week. I have come back after so long an absence, and have spent that week in a town which was a small village when I left there as a small boy, and you can conceive of what it must be to meet face to face old men and old women whom you have not seen for sixty years. I looked in the faces of women, faces clothed in wrinkles and whose heads were as gray as mine, faces which, when I last saw them, were beautiful with the peach bloom of early youth, now on their heads the frosts of age, and in their faces wrinkles and the weather-beaten look, not that which comes from exposure to bad weather. I experienced emotions that I had never expected, and did not know were in me. I was profoundly moved and saddened to think that this was the last time, perhaps, that I would ever behold those kind old faces and dear old scenes of my childhood. I have been through all of that in the last week, and while it has been to me a blessed thing, while it has charged me with feelings which I would have been glad to have felt, yet it has been intensely emotional. I am glad to be back here, and I should like to feel that my visit has not been in vain with the University of Missouri. It is not in vain on my part in view of the honor that I am to receive. It is as if all the world has risen up rejoicing that I will be out of the way soon. The jealous part of the world. The jealous part of it. They began to confer honors upon me several years ago, only they were in a little too much of a hurry. I was not ready to start that soon. When Yale conferred upon me the degree of Master of Arts, there were a great many people who were ready to inquire what kind of arts I was acquainted with, what kind of business I proposed to run. Then, when the degree of Doctor of Literature was conferred upon me, there were people who were unkind enough to question what I was going to doctor, and say, he don't know anything about art. What can he do about anything along that line? Or 
yes he will have plenty of practice in doctoring his own literature now that i am doctor of laws there will be more queries of that kind people will be saying now what does he know about doctoring laws but that's all right we won't borrow trouble it is perfectly right that i be made doctor of laws people who doctor the laws and the people who make the laws do not have to obey them their share of the duties is in making them i think it was intended for me when the swiss bell-ringers played the last rose of summer i am that rose the last rose of my summer i suppose i shall not be here any more i imagine i am not an expert in music i am not trained i do not know the first principles of music and i should say that there are no standards of music none at all except for those people who have climbed through years of exertion until they stand upon the cold alpine heights where the air is so rarefied that they can detect a false note and they lose much by that i do not detect the false note and it took me some time to get myself educated up to the point where i could enjoy wagner i am satisfied if i get it in the proper doses but i do feel about it a good deal as bill nye said he said he had heard that wagner's music was better than it sounds he jocularly referred to the compliments that had been paid to mr hitchcock i could however have paid him a few compliments myself and added one or two that he forgot to tell the gentleman i have known him a long time i did not know there was so much to his credit i did not know the same of the other cabinet doctor i am really so glad i did not know that mr wilson was a scotchman i have known him for a long time but he has concealed that fact from an ulterior motive no doubt i do not know how a man could have known him for so long a time and not discovered it all scotchmen are named either david wilson or james macdonald he was trying to interest me in the music he loved those scotch airs so but really i did not know that it was a scotch air but it is pleasant i found out things about him that i never expected in mr galloway's case he and i stand together we stand together we do not need any biography at all i did notice a biographical sketch of me and pretty soon i i i won't say anything about it i wish it was the disposition of these jealous men here to 
let your biography alone there are naturally things in it that you would not confess to everybody this mr galloway returned to missouri when i did he returned after a few years absence i after sixty years absence and if he had waited as long as i did he would not be as respectable as i am i should be sorry to go away from this place go away from missouri feeling that i had left it as needy as it was and you understand that if i should forget to properly state my thanks for the honors that have been conferred upon me it is only an oversight i will present them as soon as i can get them raised in my head uh, since i have been in missouri i have distributed more wisdom than ever before and i am sure that much good will result from my visit i have had many honors conferred upon me but i deserved them all i sometimes suspect when you confer these honors you mean it as a sort of hint that i have been with you long enough some of the eastern colleges seem to be rather in a hurry about getting me out of the way and began conferring honors upon me years ago but as i stated before i deserve them all and am always willing to accept anything in the way of honors that you have to offer in the course of the several days i have been here in missouri i have noticed some most remarkable changes what i notice particularly is the change in moral elevation the elevation of morals which has come about since i was here not that i had anything to do with it but it is so and i know now that i recognize what the standards for changes are and gone higher that things which were then considered of minor importance are now considered to be serious things a newspaper said the other day that i while a boy up in hannibal used to steal watermelons and peaches and i knew from the tone of voice it was said in that it was meant as a reproach although in my time we should not have regarded little things like that while we did do these things when i was a boy i do not think it is quite proper to say that we stole peaches we took them we would not want to apply such an epithet everybody took peaches i think the grown people as well as the younger ones took peaches i believe that i can honestly say that i have never stolen as much as a ton of peaches we did take watermelons i do not know that there was any harm in it the first time i ever stole a watermelon i think it was the first time i stole that watermelon i removed the watermelon from a farmer's wagon while he was attending to another customer and i took it down into the seclusion of a lumber yard i took that watermelon there 
and broke it open, and well, it was green, the greenest watermelon ever raised in the Mississippi Valley. Well, how we are affected by little things. The minute I saw that that watermelon was green, I was sorry. Sorry. And I began to reflect. Now, reflection is the beginning of reform. When you have committed a sin, if you do not reflect upon it, and upon the probable consequences upon your character and career, that sin has been wasted upon you. It is just as well that it had been committed by someone else. But I began to reflect, and thence came the reform. This is it, the result which you now see before you. I began to reflect, and I said that I had done wrong to steal a green watermelon. Now then, when you have done wrong, what should you do next? What would George Washington do in such a case? Why, there is only one thing for him to do. There is only one right and righteous thing for any high-principled boy to do, and that is to restore it, restore it to its rightful owner. That is what George Washington would do, and I said that is what I will do. Not many boys would have done that, and the moment that I made that good resolution, I felt that moral upliftment which comes when you have been doing the wrong thing and have then conquered the evil one. I felt that uplifting, and I took that watermelon back and restored it to the owner, that is, what was left of it and I made him give me a ripe one. Even at that early age my teaching proclivities had developed to some extent, and I began to teach him that he had done wrong. I went to him and told him that he ought to be ashamed of himself, working off green watermelons on people that had confidence in him, and I did not spare him. I told him if he did not break off that habit, he could not have any more of my custom, and he was ashamed and promised to do better, and he showed that his reform had begun and was sincere, and he showed that he wanted to make reparation. He went right down into the wagon and brought out another one. It is so much better to sacrifice yourself that way for others why should you be going around selfishly remolding your own morals and neglecting your neighbors? It is much better to look after his morals than your own, and very much easier. He just took his knife and plugged down deep into that watermelon, took a piece out of its heart about six inches deep, a great big red melon, I told the man I would forgive him, and he has long since gone to the great beyond. He thanked the university for the great honor it had conferred upon him. And I have taken it upon myself to believe that if it is not deserved, which is a matter of no sort of consequence to the University of Missouri, I consider it all 
the more a compliment end of speech read by john greenman